Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. I'm sitting here again today with Dr. Curtis Barbary, and if you listened last week, I'm, I'm sure you were blessed and encouraged just by listening to his testimony and how God has used him throughout the years. And you probably shouted with me and weeped a little bit about how good God's been to him and his ministry here at Beulah and at the other churches that he's pastored at. And today we want to take a little bit uh, different focus. We want to focus this on pastors and younger preachers, younger men of God, those that might be in Bible college or in high school, or even those that are pastoring a church right now. And as he said, if you listened last week, he talked about the necessity for a younger man listening to the elder man uh, just give wisdom. Because like he said, he's been there, they've been there where we have not. And so I think today we're going to go through eight different questions and just listen to Pastor Barbary, just give his answer biblically and really just his wisdom for how he's ministered throughout the years. So we're going to start off today, Pastor Barbary. Once again, we thank you for being here with me and uh, we're looking forward to this. Thank you, Travis. It's a joy to be back with you uh, today. And I trust the questions you ask will give me an opportunity to be a blessing and be a help to some precious soul out there. And I'm sure that they will, and that's our prayer today. Thank someone you. Someone will find encouragement. All right, we'll start off. The first question we have, Pastor Barbier, what are some things in your stage of ministry now? As you said in the last one, you've ministered uh, here for 40 years and a lot longer than that. And so what are some things in your stage of ministry now you wish you would have known when you first started? Well, you say, what would I do today that I... Learn, what have I learned back then through the years that I could do? What I do today, I couldn't have done then because yeah. I wouldn't know That's right. what, what I know today after 65 years wow. of gospel ministry. Wow. But I can say this, and I believe it with all of my heart, that to be what you need to be as a servant of God, a preacher of the gospel, you need to be yourself. Don't try to mimic any other preacher. You can't do that. Yeah. God wants a preacher to be himself. He wants that preacher's personality. Yeah. That's who he called. That's right. And after all that's said and done, we're only the vehicles, the instruments through whom God works. Yeah. God's Holy Spirit is the one that works in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Yeah. And he works through us as we are ourselves. I learned this lesson very early in my ministry. Of course, I wanted to be like my pastor, who was one of the greatest preachers that ever walked in the pulpit, yeah. Dr. Harold B. Seitler. I learned I couldn't. And I remember one time I was preaching on a platform of about uh, 2,000 or 2,500 people with a great preacher. Now, I'll not call his name, not my pastor, but another great preacher, American preacher, a fantastic preacher, put everything just perfect. His grammar was perfect. His illustrations was perfect. Everything was perfect. And I was sitting on the platform having to preach when he finished. And I thought, oh, if I could just crawl out of here and not be detected. That'd be wonderful. And I was sitting there debating and, f and feeling awful, small and insignificant. And God's Spirit 
said to me. I called him to do what he's doing. I want you to do what I'll do through you. Wow. He can't do what you do. You can't do what he does. I can use both of you so you be yourself. And boy, I learned early just to be myself. Yeah. And I don't try to be, I never tried to be someone else. And I wouldn't invite, uh, advise any preacher to try to be like Curtis Barbary. Be yourself, but be sure that the Holy Spirit uses you yeah. as he wants to. That's good. I think in, as we were talking before we started, you said that answer kind of drives the rest of the answers to the rest of the questions. But I think that's vitally important. And I know in my own life, when I first started, that was a struggle. Yeah. And it took me a while to just learn, hey, well, God's calling me to preach this way. Uh, we, we get caught up in styles of preaching and different ways. We want to conduct ourselves kind of like our mentors, like you said. Absolutely. And it took a while in my ministry, and I'm not saying I've learned it all, but God said, Travis, you got to be who you are. Your style is not another guy's style. Well, we preachers, we fight the battle. We, some preachers are loud, like myself, and some are soft, and, and some are very emotional, and some are not. That is not really what matters. No. What matters is to be yourself, develop your own style, and stay with it, and God will use it. I think that's correct. And God will use you. Yeah. We're just the vehicle. Hey, we're the vehicle. That is an error. Some vehicles rattle a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Some are smooth, <laughs> but they all get there. That's good. We're just the vehicle to carry the gospel message. Amen. And so if you're a young preacher listening to today, uh, I know you struggle with what's your style, who you're going to pattern your ministry after, but listen to Pastor Barbary. Just be yourself. Let God use you. You be the vessel. And as you carry the gospel, let God give the increase through your ministry and through your style. Amen. So I think that's great advice. Question number two kind of fits in with what's going on in America right now. So we're recording this uh, in May, and we're kind of in the middle of a pandemic where everything is going crazy in America and globally. And something that I believe God's really been teaching me is just the, the value of being still. So a question that we have for you, Pastor Barbary, is over the years with the rush of ministry, as we were talking off, off uh, a recording a few minutes ago, you said you would preach Monday through Saturday, then you would drive and preach here at Beulah Baptist Church Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then you would go off again and preach another revival. So with the rush of ministry, how have you learned to be still and let God speak? I learned to take the morning hours with the Lord in my Bible and prayer. Yeah. Uh, when I was pastor of this church, I would come to the study at 6 o'clock every morning. Wow. And I would spend it to two hours, six to eight, or nine, three hours in prayer and study. And then, I'd, of course, the employees would come in and we'd have whatever meeting we needed to. And then I'd stay until 12 o'clock studying the Word of God and preparing my sermons. Wow. That was my time. Unless yeah. there was an emergency, I never yielded that time. Wow. That's my time. Yeah. And to be the kind of pastor and the kind of preacher I needed to be, I needed that time to be still before God. Yeah. And not only to learn, but to let God speak to me. Yeah. Let God give me guidance and direction and teach me what he wanted to teach me that I could lead the people. Yeah. 
So I think you've already spoke on this, but how valuable is that time to you as a pastor? You can't do it, do the work properly unless you take that time. I think that, yeah. It's your time. I always said uh, this, a preacher ought to be on time. Yeah. If you're going to go to service and it starts at 8 o'clock, you ought to be there 15 minutes before it starts. Yeah. A pastor ought to be on time on all of his appointments. Now, sometimes, of course, there's emergencies. Sometimes he can't. But don't make it a practice not being on time. That's a bad testimony. The Lord's always on time and his work. Yeah, that's right. We don't think so. Yeah. But he is. And we ought to be on time doing yes, the Lord's work. Yes, sir. So we have you have just as much time as anybody else has, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Now you have to discipline yourself to take time to do the things you need to do. But a preacher, first and foremost, if he's called to be a preacher of the gospel, he's called to be a preacher, and you can't preach hmm. unless you study. That's right. And spend time with God in prayer. Yeah. So you take that time or you fail in the pulpit. Yeah. Uh, I think that's exactly right. I've heard it said like this before, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but a pastor or a preacher cannot communicate God's word unless God has first communicated it to you. Amen. Right in the study. That's exactly right. And I, thought, I was listening to something yesterday, and they were talking about, I forget the exact story in the Gospels that it is, but Jesus is coming off of one of his busiest days in his ministry where he's healing people, he's preaching, he's doing a lot. And he, the Bible says he arises early in the morning to go out and find a, a quiet place and pray before the Father. And that, that struck me. Like how important it was for Jesus on the eve or on the morning of his busiest day. He had probably every reason to sleep in, but yet he gets up and he goes and spends time with the Father. And so how much more important is it for us to make that time, to carve out that time, to be still and pray and study his word. If the son of God needed time to pray to his father, how much more do we preachers need time to pray? Yes, sir. And to hear from God. That's right. Jesus, we look at him and we study his life. I mean, he had perfect, he had perfect fellowship with Absolutely. God the Father. Absolutely. His fellowship was not broken. Ours is broken and tainted yes. because of sin. We come through the mediator, Jesus. So how much more important, like you said, is it for us Amen. to seek the face of the Father? And you, 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 you don't, you're not ugly about it. You just take time. Yeah. And one thing about being pastor, if you start doing that, your people will respect you for it. Yeah. And after a while, they won't bother you unless it's an emergency. Yes, of sir. course, pastoring, emergencies occur, and you ought to be able to take care of those emergencies yeah. no matter what. But. Unless it's an emergency, you ought to spend time in the morning with God. Yeah. So you're saying your church will see that the necessity for that Absolutely. Time. They will. They will respect you for that. Yes, sir. I think that's amazing. And I think that'll take us into the third question, which is something that I've heard and I've actually asked myself. I'm recently married. I got married in December. And this, had come up a question, this question comes up a lot, especially among young ministers. How do you balance ministry and family? So you have a lot of preaching. Obviously, God is using a lot of ministers and, and pastors in great ways. But they also have a family, and that's their ministry as well. So where's the balance there, and how do you see that? Well, you're asking the wrong preacher. <laughs> if I had my life to do over, I'd take more time with my family. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, 
When I started, as I indicated in our last talk, I thought I just had maybe 10 years to live and minister. So I made up my mind I was going to put everything I had night and day into it. Yeah. And it's ended up in to be 65 years. Wow. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I set the pattern, just go, 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 go. Yeah. And in, do, in doing that, I have, I realize I have neglected my family to some degree. Mm-hmm. I had a wonderful wife who yes, kept the home and the children, and she's responsible for much that our children know and did and so on. But I tried to give them as much time as I could. But I, I didn't. I was always away in revivals. I wasn't available too often for ball games and yes, sir. and other school activities like most people are. So I, I'd say to a, a young pastor, if I had it to do over, I'd do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. And what I'd do is take at least one day a week yeah. for my family. Yeah. I'd let the church know. Yes, sir. Unless there's a death or something of that nature... This day, whatever day you choose with your family, whatever day fits your family, this day is for my family. Yeah. And I'd give my family one day a week. Wow. I like that. I remember talking to you, and you said uh, here at Beulah you had on staff Nolan Jackson Sr. Yes. And uh, his father was Maze Jackson. And uh, I've talked with Nolan countless times, and uh, he said Maze Jackson and the latter years of his ministry often said the same. Mm-hmm. He uh, wishes he would have spent more time with yeah. family and carving out that day. And I think that's important. And I remember in one of my a professor I might have had in Bible college, or just a pastor I was talking to, talked to me about the necessity. Maybe it was in uh, our marriage counseling we had, the necessity of carving out that family day. Yeah, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to set it aside and don't let nothing interrupt it unless it's an emergency. Yeah. Unless it's something absolutely that's necessary. Right. That's what they said. You give it to the family. And they said it's kind of like a give or take kind of deal. Like if you have that family day set aside, but then there's a church emergency, you promise your family we'll reschedule it here and we'll move it that way. Yeah. And so I think that's great. Oh, for example, I, I was one time I had a weekend and took a week and went with my family down to the beach and we rented home and, you know, was enjoying yes, as sir. a family. We hadn't got more than got there and unpacked the car till I got a call, had a death. Wow. I get in my car, leave my family there. I drive back. And go through all of that and take care of the family. The funeral, go back to the, there. And, but the next day, got another call, another emergency. I had come back. Wow. So I left my family at the beach all week. Yeah. I was there maybe half a day. Yeah. So those kind of things you can't help yeah. as right. a pastor. But uh, that's not the norm. Yeah, that's right. I think that's great. And I think that'll be a help to a lot of young pastors who are struggling with that question. Because we want to give it completely to the Lord and completely yes. to the church, but also you got a family you got to take Absolutely. care of. Absolutely, we're responsible for our family. So, let me give you this; might help. You, you know the condition of my wife; she yes, has sir. Alzheimer's, as you know. Yes, sir. And it requires twenty-four hour care. Yes, sir. And I gave up uh, the church, the last church that I was pastoring and enjoying, First Baptist Church, Carthage, uh, on that account. Yes, sir. <clears throat> A pastor said, a preacher said to me, Brother Barbary, I, I heard you gave up the ministry. I said, you heard wrong, brother. Yeah. That's right. I have not given up the ministry. I said, I just changed the place of my service from the pulpit to the bedside. Yeah. 
That's right. I made a pledge to that woman when we married through sickness or health. Yeah. And the sickness has come. Yeah. We've enjoyed the health. Wow. And I'm going to minister the best I know how that's to amazing. her. I think that's, that's I mean, priceless advice. Pastor Barbara, we thank you for that. Going to the next question. What would you say the key components are to be an effective gospel leader? And so I know you wouldn't right now call yourself an example, but you, as we looked last episode or last week at how God has used you, you've been an effective gospel leader as the vehicle. And so what are the key components to be an effective gospel leader? I think it's three things. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, remember, I was on this pastor here, I was sitting out here one day, had on my cover calls. I'd been out there working, doing something. And uh, my wife was gone off to town somewhere, and nobody was around but myself. And I was sitting out there next to the mailbox, and a big, nice car drove up. And I had gone out of my study, which was back here, and locked my keys in the door. door huh. So the church was locked, and the house was locked. And I couldn't get in my own house and couldn't get in my own church. <laughs> Now I'm just sitting out there on the curb waiting for my wife to come back. Yeah. Or somebody to come along and let me in. Yeah. And a big old nice car drove up and two nice dressed preachers or professors got out and one that's from a seminary. Mm. And they said, We'd like to talk to preacher Barbie. He said, Do you know where we can find him? And I was sitting there all dirty and in my cover halls and yeah. I said I thought for a minute and I said, Well, I, I am he. <laughs> and they kind of grinned. And I, and I said, I'm in a dilemma right now. I can't get in my house and I can't get in my church. They said, <laughs> well, that won't bother us. And we talked a few minutes and they said, our business is we're, we're doing a survey on pastors with long tenures. Hmm. And we understand that you've been in this church for over 30 years at that time. And I said, well, I have been. And they said, well, uh, what do you attribute your long stay here as? And I should have said, well, I've outlived my enemies, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. I said, I th never thought about it like that. I said, if there's anyone, it's all the grace of God and the goodness of God, God's work. But I said, if there's any human element to it, it's respect. I said, I respect everybody in this community and everybody in this church, whether they're saved or unsaved, whether they're spiritual or unspiritual, I respect them as part of God's creation. Yeah. They're somebody. Yeah. And I give them respect. Wow. And as a consequence, they give me respect. Yes, sir. And I said, and the second thing, I think you asked the question, three things, respect, respect people. Mm. Not what you want them to be, yeah, but what they are. Wow. Not everybody's on the same level, yeah. But you respect them for who they are. They're God's creation. They're people for whom Jesus died. That's right. So you respect them. And I said, second thing, you love them. Love people. Yeah. You can't serve people you don't love. That's right. And if you love them, you'll be loyal to them. Yeah. Wow. Respect. Love, loyalty. Respect, love, and loyalty. Yes, sir. Wow. And that is played out in your ministry. As we've seen God use you in many ways, 
has been an effective gospel leader as you've loved people, respected people, and been loyal to your people. So I think that's great advice that we as young pastors and maybe pastors that are on up in years can even use that advice today and minister in their churches. Going on, what would be your one piece of advice to young men in the ministry? Well, you look at yourself, and as I said in, in, when we began this session, be yourself, but understand that you are God's ambassador. Yeah. And I think this, you need to cultivate who you are mm. as God's, you're God's representative. Yes, sir. And I give you a piece of advice that was given to me, and it don't fit too good today, but I give it anyway. Yeah. I mean, in, in our society, what I'm talking about today. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that, we got preachers that we don't have nice pulpits like this anymore. We have these little make-believe Bible stands. <laughs> preachers go in the pulpits with jeans on and shirts and no ties and no suits and I remember when this first started, Yeah, when this kind of stuff first started, I went to a seminar. I never did go to many of them, and I regretted the one I went to. <laughs> but I went to a seminar, and this professor was lecturing on the 20th century pastor and his congregation and how he ministered to his congregation. And I was sitting in the back of the house, and I want, I want to improve my ministry any way I could. Yes, sir. And he said, now, you preachers today, you're going to have to do two or three things. One, take that big pulpit out from there and that, commun- that table and, and just get a platform and, and get to, just get a little Bible stand up there. And, and he said, quit preaching them long sermons. Hmm. Don't scream and holler. People are not deaf. Uh, he didn't preach to some folks I preached to. There. <laughs> but he said, don't scream at people. And he said, preach about 10 to 15 minutes. And he said, quit dressing like Philadelphia lawyers and, and just wear a shirt and let it be open at the front and even let the hair on your ch- chest show. And I thought, my God, what did I do getting in here? <laughs> he probably don't even have hair on his chest. And I got up and left. There you go. But what I'm getting around to saying is, I'm saying I don't like it. Yeah, I get that. And I'm saying this. When I started out in the ministry, Joe, Joe Parson, mm-hmm. before I ever came to this church, one of the great preachers of the South said to me, Preacher Barbary, if you're going to be a successful pastor, you're going to have to have two things. You're going to have to have a good automobile mm. that'll take you anywhere, anytime yes, sir. that you need to go. And he said, second thing, dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Don't embarrass your people. Hmm. I've heard it been said, if you're a preacher, dress like a preacher. And there's, an, there's a certain... And I believe, I believe a preacher ought to dress for the occasion, whatever the occasion. Yes, sir. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir. You, you're, you're dressed for the occasion. Yeah. You go in that pulpit, it's a different story. For sure. Here's the thing, here's the way I look at it. Right or wrong, I look at it this way, and I'm not going to change. I'm too old and stubborn (laughs) to change. 
When we come to God's house to do God's business, we're in God's presence. Yeah. And I don't dress to somebody to see me, the deacons and the deacons' wives and the congregation and the others. I dress because I'm coming into the king's presence. Yeah. When you go to weddings, you dress for the occasion. When you go to funerals, you dress for the occasion. When you go see somebody of importance, you dress for the occasion. When you come to God's house, dress for the occasion. I agree with that. I believe that is Right or wrong, I believe that with all my heart. Yes, sir. And I've heard it said, when you get up to preach, you're representing the Father. Amen. And so you might as well put on your yes, best. Yes, sir. He sent That's his right. best to represent us. Well, you, you back years ago when I was growing up, we talked about our Sunday best. Yeah. And that the, what they meant, just what you said. You dress, you get wear the best you got on Sunday to go to God's house. Yeah. That's right. You wouldn't go into the presence of the president. No. Wearing. No. No. Casual clothes. Yeah. You dress for the occasion. That's You're right. Coming into God's presence. Yes, dress for the occasion. I think that's a timeless piece of advice. Dress for the occasion, young men, as you represent the Father, the King. Amen. You're Lord representing Lords. God. Yes, sir. And, and let me tell you this. One of, the, one of the great ladies of this church, she's still living, uh, had, had a high position, dealt with people, wrote me one of the nicest letters I've ever had. After I left this church, she wrote me a letter and said, Pastor Barbara, we thank you for being our pastor, you, many things. But she said, yes, one of the things I want to commend you for, you never were not dressed for the occasion. Wow. You never embarrassed the church. Wow. That's something else. Boy, that's, I thought that's pretty that good. That is. That's a compliment. So that'll drive us into the next one, Pastor Barbary. It can be a struggle for young men to find connections in ministry. And I'll explain here. Uh, you said in the last episode or last week that you had many different mentors and pastors that you looked up to and how you counted it a privilege to know them and be able to communicate with them and how one of them said, uh, did, gave you different advice throughout the years. And so as a young man, it can be a struggle to find those connections. So what advice would you give a young man in that stage of life? Well, you need to cultivate some friendships. Yes, sir. One of the things I look back on my life, and, I, and I, I live such a busy life, busy ministry. And I didn't take time, as much time as I should with my family. I didn't take as much time as I should with my friends. Yes, sir. Now, I loved them both yeah. dearly and respected them. But my friends, I wish I'd spent more time with my friends, hmm. my mentors. Yeah. When I get to help, I want to sit down and tell them how much they mean. Wow. How much they meant to me. Yeah. And I couldn't have made it without them. And, and, and as an old man, I, I have a lot of dreams. I dream of these fellas. They visit me in, in my dreams, and I, yeah. I'm always glad to have them around. But, yeah. but I wish I'd spent more time with them. Every young preacher needs a couple of good old country, not country, well, that, that won't hurt, but <laughs> uh, older preachers. Yes, sir. Ministers that he can go to and sit down and talk to. Yeah. And uh, he needs to cultivate that. It don't yeah. just happen. You have to no. work at it. Yeah. And then you need men of uh, your own stature to you cultivate that kind of friendship. Yeah. But one of the things you need a, 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 a pastor, he needs contacts if he's going to broaden his ministry. Yeah, for sure. So you attend pastor meetings, hmm. preacher meetings. Yeah. They don't all, may not always suit your flavor. <laughs> 
but you're not going there to get a flavor. Yeah. You're going there. And, it, and it'll have a way of birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. You'll get together with kind men of like faith, like, you know, like customs and so on. Yes, sir. And you develop friendships like that. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and I go back to what I said a while ago. One thing about sitting in a classroom for study, you make, you make friends for life. Yeah, for Classmates. Sure. Some of the great friends I had uh, over the years was uh, classmates yeah. of mine in college. Yeah. And uh, we made friendships with some great men, and that helps you broaden your ministry. Yeah. See? For sure. And that, that's one of the things you cultivate it, and then you attend meetings, and you make friends. Yeah. He that would have friends do what? Show himself friendly. Yeah, that's right. And don't look at preachers as enemies. I no. mean, they may not be just like you, but they may be God's servants. Yeah, it's not a competition. Absolutely. Yes, sir. We're not a competition, and we're not all the same denomination. Yeah, that's right. Don't make denomination your God. No, for sure. For sure. And, 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 and Brother Joe Parson, I keep referring to him. Yeah. See what I mean by making friends? Go. Yes, sir. He said, Brother Barber, you need to understand. And they told me this when, when I was rising in evangelism and going all over the country preaching meetings. He said, now, there's two classes going to try to get a hold of you because of you're becoming popular. Hmm. He said, now, I'm going to just say it. He said the Southern Baptists want to use you yeah. for their gain. Hmm. The Independents want to use you for their gain. Yeah. He said, don't let either crowd get control of you. Wow. Be your own man. You'll, you'll demand the respect of both. There you go. I have preached revivals, and nearly a thousand revival meetings, and about half of them was independent churches. About half of them was in Southern Baptist churches. There you go. Proves, huh? Yeah. That's right. So that that that's that's true. Yes, sir. One hundred percent. So you're saying we got to cultivate those relationships, cultivate attend, them, attend yes, meetings, sir. and get make the connections. Yeah. So one shouldn't be timid and shy to approach a pastor for that's counsel right. and wisdom. That's exactly right. So we should, because if they're a pastor, they should be. You know, we, we, I'm a Baptist. I'm not ashamed. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Southern Baptist. Not ashamed. I'm a Southern. I'm a Southern Baptist pastor in an independent Baptist church. Yeah. You explain that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I preach the same gospel everywhere. That's right. If a Southern Baptist loves God, they'll love what I preach. I preach the gospel. That's if right. an independent loves God, they'll love what I preach. I preach the gospel. Yes, sir. So be yourself. Preach the gospel and let it let the gospel that you preach make your contacts. There you go. Yeah, the gospel has a unifying factor to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It unifies us as believers together. Absolutely. The body different of, styles, maybe. The body, different styles, that don't have a thing to it do with it. But it brings us together That's exactly under one right. name and one body. Absolutely right. I was preaching a conference back when I was younger preaching. I don't know how long you need to go with this. Oh, you're but fine. I might go all day. You can't tell about me. <laughs> I was preaching a meeting with Brother, Brother Joe Parsons, in fact, in Hendersonville Blue Ridge Camp meeting years yeah. ago. Big crowds there. Brother Joe would preach every morning, and I'd preach every night. And back then, they had a lot of conferences, Bible conferences. Yeah. Churches did, and they'd like to have a young preacher and an older preacher. They'd yes. like the old pr preacher teach, kindly, and the young preacher preach. And I got hooked up with Caldwell and, 
and Ralph Barnard and uh, Joe Parsons and those three, and I'd preach with them. Yeah. And <clears throat> they'd always have me at night because I was loud and emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so I preached one night at the camp meeting, and we got very emotional, and folks got to praising God, and I got all excited. And Brother Joe and I was sitting over, uh, staying in a cottage they had there together. And after the service, we went over to get ready to go to bed. And I was so excited I couldn't be still. I was just walking all over the place and praising God. He was sitting there in the rocker just rocking. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, he's he backslid. He's not <laughs> excited. And finally I got settled down and sat down. And he said, now, Brother Barbara, I'll tell you something. I never forgot this. Yeah. He said, when you're young and excitable and emotionable, you can stir them up. <laughs> but said he, when you get old, like me, you better have something to say. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you get the point? I do. Yes, sir. Amen. So it doesn't matter about the style. Yeah, not at all. No. It's the gospel that you preach, it's the, the Jesus that you represent, and him that you're trying to bring forward. So I think that's great advice there for younger pastors. Uh, in our stage of ministry, to make connections under the name of Jesus and Amen. grow those friendships that'll last. Yeah, I have long. some friends who I've preached for the Episcopals. Yeah, I preached in India for the Episcopal Conference. Wow! Like Southern Baptist Convention Conference. Yeah, they have an Episcopal Conference, and I was invited to preach, and I preached a week to those <laughs> <laughs> priests. Wow! So I preached the same gospel. That's right. I've preached for Presbyterians. I've preached for Methodists. I've preached for Pentecostals. I've preached for Church, Church of Christian Church, yeah. Friends Church. I just preach the same gospel. I preach the gospel anywhere. Yeah. I was going to preach in a liberal church. Same gospel. One time, and the pastor was gracious. I yeah. knew he's liberal. He invited me to preach, and I said, "Well, I'll preach." I yeah. said, now, no strings, no strings on you. We want you to preach. Yeah. I said, I know where you stand. You know where I stand. You know what I'm going to preach? He said, yeah, I, f I figure you go preach. <laughs> I said, okay. So I went, and there's a big church in this state. Yeah. I'm not calling the name of it. I don't want to identify it. Yeah. But um, I went and preached Sunday morning through Wednesday night, five yeah. services. One man said, pastor of the big <clears throat> Southern Baptist Church in this state, uh, a conservative pastor came up to me and he said, Brother Barber, you going, I saw in the paper where you was going to such such church. He said, you know that's a liberal church? I said, yep. <laughs> he said, no, you know that's a liberal pastor? I said, yep. He said, you mean you're going over? I said, yep. <laughs> he said, won't that hurt you? I said, I don't know. They invited me to preach. And I go, I said, I'll even preach for you if you'll invite me. <laughs> In other words, my point is this. Yeah. Preach the gospel no matter where. Jesus didn't tell you to go preach just to one crowd. He That's said, right. preach the gospel. Yes, sir. Yes, preach sir. the same gospel. If they want the gospel, preach the gospel. That's right. Treat them nice, respect them, and go on your way. That's right. So what I'm gathering is, no matter where you're at, no matter what stage you're at, it's the same message, it's the Amen. same gospel. Amen. doesn't change. And it unifies. That's good. Moves us into the next one. What would you say the largest need among pastors is today, young and old? I'm going to put my finger on it. Let's hear it. Applies to me. Applies to you. Yes, sir. 
applies to your pastor, applies to every preacher. Yeah. Recognize and rely on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is mistreated mm. in most churches today. I agree with that. And that's the reason we're in the mess we're in. It's not for lack of facilities yeah. or programs or pastors or people. Yeah. It's because we grieve and insult the blessed spirit of the living God. Mm. And until we honor the spirit of God, yes, we'll never have churches that glorify Jesus. Yeah. He was sent to glorify Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we can't glorify Jesus. I don't care how much we do until we honor and recognize the Holy Ghost of God. Yeah. So the piece of advice, recognize the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in your life and in your ministry. Rely on the Holy Rely Ghost. Rely on the Holy Ghost. You can't do one thing without the Spirit of God. That's right. Jesus said, you can't do nothing without me. Yeah. And, he's, and he told us he'd send another, and that's the Holy Spirit. The when you get up to preach, you say the Holy Spirit. You, one, and this is no example. I never go into a pulpit, but what I say, Holy Spirit, you preach through me mentally, yeah. spiritually, and physically. Yes, sir. What you won't said here today. Wow. So rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on Him. Let Him teach you. Let if him He don't you, do it, do it preaching. won't be done. That's right. He does the convicting. He does the. He does the saving. That's right. Yes, He's the. Listen. You can preach the best sermon you can ever preach in your life, until the Holy Spirit takes that word of God and puts it in that man's heart out there. Yeah. It's not going to do any good. That's right. He grows it. He's the one that conveys the word. He takes the Word, the living Word of God, yes, sir. and applies it to that heart. So the greatest need, the greatest need, the greatest need of our churches is for we, and we preachers are responsible. Yes, sir, for sure. Starts in the pulpit. Yeah. If there's no fire in the pulpit, there won't be no fire in the pew. Yeah. The greatest need, rely on the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. All right, we're on the last question for today, and I know this, these questions and hearing Pastor Barber's wisdom these have been a great blessing and an honor. So we're here at the last question, and as Pastor Barber, what is the most important thing you've ever learned that will be beneficial to younger men in the ministry? Three things. Yes, sir. Be a friendly person. Hmm. Not, not sinful flattery. Yeah. That's sinful. Yeah. But be really a friendly friend. Person. Some preachers walk around like they're God. Yeah. And you have to cater to them. No. Yeah, some seem like they have some something around them that yeah. you can't approach. Yeah. And you can't talk. Yeah. Be a friendly person. Yes, sir. Be yourself, but be a friendly person. Cult cultivate that. Yeah. Now, I know you can do it because I had to do it. And I think that might be going back to the other question where some young men get the timidness is approaching other pastors. They have that yeah. thing about them where they're not friendly. Yeah. And so timeless right there. Be yes, friendly. sir. You cultivate that. Yeah. Be friendly. 
Cultivate it. Work at it. Be a friendly person. Be friendly with people. Yes, sir. Second, be a faithful pastor. Hmm. If you're going to be a, faith, a pastor of a church, you better be a faithful pastor. Yes, sir. what I mean by that. A faithful pastor is a pastor when his people's in need, he's there. Yeah. That's good. Unless you're there when people are in a crisis, you'll never bond with them. Yeah. You bond with them in their crisis and that bond will never be broken. Yeah. That's good. It kind of reminds me of Philippians chapter 3 where Paul writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, fellowship of, his of his suffering. You got to know. The fellowship with Jesus and his suffering brings us closer to fellowship him. Fellowship with people in and their suffering. Closer to them. That's right. Be, be faithful. Be a faithful pastor. Yes, sir. Be a pastor to your people. You say, well, I don't like my church. Well, get out of it. Yeah. If you don't love your church and love your people, you got you have no business being there. Yeah. Be faithful to them. Be faithful to your pastor. So be a friendly person, be a faithful pastor, but third, be a fervent preacher. Yeah. Paul said serving the Lord with fervency. Fervency. Yeah. This dried up, no spirit, mm. no excitement, no enthusiasm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Be fervent. Yeah. In spirit. I agree. Fervent preaching. Fervent preaching. That's great. Those three things. If you practice those things as a young preacher, it'll carry you a long way up this road. Yeah. Be a friendly person. Be a faithful pastor. And be a fervent preacher. I think that's great. And so I think today as we close this out, Pastor Barbara, you have given us wisdom, encouragement, and things that we, myself as a young man, and those that might be on down the road ahead of me can take and apply to their ministry and their personal life and gain from it as they rely fully on the Holy Ghost. Is that piece of advice that you gave us that I think is the most important one we learned today is rely solely on the Holy Ghost of God. Amen. Thank so Pastor you, Pastor Barbara. We are so grateful and thankful for you spending this time with us, and we look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Brother Shelton. Yes, sir. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.